0: Last time on Dragon Ball Z. Turtle and I are going out to dinner. You two better behave while we're gone. And most importantly, no improv. If I hear any yes and, you're getting the back of this hand. Well, Vince, it looks like we've got the Kame House all to ourselves. Yeah, we do, Aaron, and you know what that means. It's time to throw a banger of a... Podcast. We're Comedy House Party, the only improv comedy Dragon Ball podcast in the known universe. We're going through every iteration of Dragon Ball, episode by episode, and performing improvised scenes based on what we watched. And you don't have to be a Dragon Ball super fan to enjoy the podcast, because each week we do a one-minute roundup to catch everyone up, so you can enjoy the latest and greatest episode. Yes, and. What the shell is going on? They're doing improv all over the Kame House. They even put on flannel shirts. We're Kame House Party, part of the Moonshot Network, with new episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't close out a promo while I'm yelling at you. Finn. All right. Clapping time? Yes, it's time to get the clap. No,
1: wait a second, Jane. You can't say that because that humorously sounds like a sexual like STD sort of joke. <laughs> or STIs as they're called nowadays in today's woke paradise.
0: These days it's because of wokeness you can't even call them STDs. Uh-huh. Uh three, two, one. Three,
1: two, one. And three, two, one. To another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline.
0: And I'm your other host, Jane.
1: And we're your favorite podcast, all but the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Sword of Summer. How are you doing today, Jane?
0: I reckon we should go through all the gods from each pantheon and assign them which STI we think they're most likely to have.
1: Okay, so I think we need to start with, <laughs> because we're on the Norse pantheon, we start with Loki, right? Mm hmm. Uh, what. What STIs are there? Now, if you can shapeshift, can you get rid of an STI?
0: Oh, that's true. I guess you could, like, shapeshift into just, like, something that is immune to it until it dies. Yeah. And then just shift back.
1: Okay, so Thor probably has all of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he has all of them, and they're not even all in his body. Some of them are just in his beard.
1: <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I- <laughs> well... That's that's good to hear. I'm doing okay, too.
0: <laughs> you have to leave in the bit before we did the claps now.
1: Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I, did, I don't think we were recording then.
0: I was. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we should have been. I, don't, <laughs> we I didn't recording.
1: realize. Maybe, maybe I was. Uh,
0: if you weren't recording when we did the claps, we have much more significant problems than inappropriate STI jokes. We can just re-record the opening if this turns out to be nonsense.
1: Okay. Uh, I guess for that sake, how are you doing today, Jane? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh i'm doing i'm doing all right thank you i'm thinking about normal things nothing that you would need to potentially cut out in a re-recorded version of this opening <laughs> what about that's, you jacqueline
1: that's good i'm glad you're normal uh <laughs> i i'm doing okay i'm going to the comic shop later uh, oh hell yeah i'm gonna watch my girlfriend get a haircut i'm going to there there is a local phenomenon of like I mean, this is too doxing, but I don't care. There's all kinds <laughs> of like incredibly cutesy names for like the local like eateries and stands that exist in my area. So mm-hmm. like every single like ice cream stand is called a creamy. Uh, so like, interesting. Uh, they're they're all called like uh, Zach's Creamy or like uh the Strazinski Creamy or something like that. Um, and th- I recently discovered that there is also a series of diners kind of in the area near where we're getting the haircut called uh burgies. They're all they're all burgies, and so I'm gonna go try a local Burgie soon.
0: Uh fascinating. Yeah. Are these areas just like located near a bunch of like nurseries? This is just these names, nicknames are just from like toddlers who can't quite speak yet.
1: The way that Boston is like the hub of the universe, I feel like we also are sort of transposed <laughs> upon one one of the worlds and the world I think might be like uh like candyland <laughs> have we confirmed that like candyland isn't one of the nine worlds
0: uh i don't think that's ever been confirmed or denied in any of the norse mythology maybe that's something that uh, rick ryden is going to get into in the seminal work
1: <sighs> the seminal work speaking of the seminal work jane uh do you want to get right into the summaries
0: uh yes chapter 13 Phil the potato meets his doom At the feast, we see that Sam has something of a tense relationship with the other Valkyries, especially their captain, Gunilla. The Valkyries are lining up new Einherjar they've gotten from Midgard, and there are seven tonight. Sam remarks that this is an unusually high number, and might indicate that something bad is brewing in the realm since so many people are getting killed. All the new Einherjar will have to have their heroic deeds recounted at the feast, including Magnus. The kids aren't in any danger, but if they're bad fits to be Einherjar, the Valkyrie who picked them gets it in the neck. Sam and Magnus sit down to eat, and Sam explains that the food is all of Saerihimnir, a magical animal who is killed and eaten every night before being resurrected the next day, and whose meat is whatever the person eating it wants it to be. Sam also tells Magnus about the Thanes, lords of Valhalla, personally chosen by Odin, to run the place while the Allfather is absent, and judge the new Einherjar from their table at the head of the hall. Odin keeps a throne at this table, and his ravens report what happenings to him, but nobody has actually seen the guy himself for decades. Helgi, the hotel manager, is sitting with the Thanes, and Magnus discovers that the reason he's always kicking hunting around is because the two were rivals in life, and when they both got to Valhalla, Odin honoured Helgi more, and gave him plenty of power to abuse over his former rival. Helgi then stands and announces that this year there'll be a change in tradition. The Valkyries have recently been outfitted with body cams, so they can just watch whatever the new Einherjad did to get themselves killed, which is a problem for Sam, considering that Magnus died like a chump and she was kind of hoping to spruce it up in the telling. Chapter 14. Four million channels and there's nothing on except Valkyrie vision. Naturally, the other new recruits all died in much cooler and more heroic ways than Magnus, and all of them get to go in front of him. There's some quibbling about whether all of them technically died with a weapon in their hand, which is a requirement for getting into Valhalla. The death must be a heroic sacrifice in battle, undertaken spontaneously and with no hope of reward. The Einherjar also get checked over by a Vala, a witch who just reads some runes to check whether they have a godly parentage. And if so, who it is, which seems like a much more efficient system than waiting on the gods to bother to claim the kids themselves. Every one of the other kids gets a standing ovation for their heroics, and then comes Magnus' turn. Chapter 15 My blooper video goes viral. Magnus, of course, looks like a twat in comparison. While he does beat the bare minimum requirements for getting into Valhalla, getting set on fire and kicked off a bridge is not exactly dignified it's made even worse by some deceptive video editing by Gunilla to make it look like Magnus was throttling Surt when he died, meaning he didn't have a weapon physically in his hand. The spirit of the law allows for this if the death is in battle, but still, it's a bad look and reflects especially badly on Sam. It soon becomes clear why Gunilla has it in for Sam. The young Valkyrie is a child of Loki, and this means she's afforded no benefit of the doubt at all, as the Thanes lay into her for picking such an obvious screw-up. This is interrupted when, in the middle of the hall, three beings called Norns materialise, magical beings above and beyond Avala, who only show up in what Sam calls extreme cases. Chapter 16. Norns. Why did it have to be Norns? The Norns pronounce Magnus a son of Frey, a god who we will learn more about later, and also read out a sinister prophecy, which none of the other kids got. Wrongly chosen, wrongly slain. A hero Valhalla cannot contain. Nine days hence the sun must go east, A sword of summer unbinds the beast. This confuses Sam, because someone gave her specific instructions to bag Magnus, so the idea that he was wrongly slain isn't used to her. Unfortunately, nobody wants to hear any of what she's saying. Bad enough that she's a child of Loki and has picked a total screw-up like Magnus. Worse well, still, the Norns themselves have deemed him wrongly chosen. Magnus will get to stay in Valhalla, but for her error, Sam is stripped of her powers and rank in the Valkyries and banished back to Midgard. Right as she realizes that Magnus needs to find the sword that he used on the bridge again. She seems to make some kind of connection between him being a child of Frey and with Surt being on the bridge, and she's halfway through telling him about it when she disappears in a puff of smoke, returned to Boston. Chapter 17, I did not ask for biceps. Magnus reads up on his father in his baby book of Norse myths, and finds that Frey is a total D-lister, the god of summer and plenty, which is a particular sting to a homeless kid who was just freezing his ass off in the middle of winter. Magnus does his own little prophecy prediction quarter, which we'll cover in more detail later, and then goes to bed. Magnus is woken by what sounds like someone in his room, but when he's up, he can't see anyone. What he does find is a note slid under his door from Thomas Jefferson Jr., inviting him for breakfast. Magnus goes to wash up before he sets off, and finds to his horror that he got Frank shang in his sleep, and now has a lot of big muscles. (laughs) The fact that even his body is no longer entirely in his control is pretty disturbing to Magnus, but he still throws on some clothes and weapons and heads to breakfast. Chapter 18, I do mighty combat with eggs. At breakfast, we get properly introduced to Magnus's four hallmates. The first is X, the half-troll, who has been here only a little longer than Magnus, and is a standard good-natured but dumb big guy who died in a fight with the Chicago mob while breaking up a dogfighting ring. Next is Halfborn, a Viking who died in one of the many Norse invasions of England, and has been using his 1,200-year-long afterlife to learn various languages, get a doctorate in Germanic literature, and take up knitting. He tells Magnus that keeping active is key to not fading or going mad when you're stuck in the hotel for so long. We don't learn much more about Mallory, except that she's very Irish and very rude, and died in a car bombing. And finally, Thomas Jefferson Jr, a Union soldier and child of Tyr, who is very affable towards Magnus and seems to be something of a stickler for the rules. This is a problem because when the four mentioned that travelling to other realms, including Midgard, is possible with permission, Magnus immediately asks how to do that without permission on account of him needing that sword for the quest Sam was talking about. It's apparently possible, and in Magnus's case pretty easy. Since he wants to get to Boston, that's apparently the location of the root of the world tree in Midgard However, the other Einherjar caution Magnus against going back While he'll get a mortal body back, dying again will consign him to either the endless void or single-L hell with no chance of getting back into Valhalla Besides generally the Einherjar wait until after everyone they know and love has died before returning to Midgard to avoid any confusion about their recent deaths Magnus will have to wait anyway. It's time for battle training and his mysterious first day initiation so, Jacqueline, what did you think of these chapters?
1: I can't believe we both lost our bets about who Magnus's parent was. <laughs> and also that my fucking... Get- you got to have Samira, who's cool. I, got- I had to have fucking Thomas Jefferson Jr. Uh, I like I these mean, chapters.
0: I like these chapters. I think Thomas Jefferson Jr., you know, the name's unfortunate, but they- he didn't pick that. I-, I like him.
1: That's fair, yeah. Seems I- like a cool guy. He- he's nice. He's nice enough. I need to know more about him for sure. Uh, we'll get into that, I'm sure, but...
0: Whenever characters from the Civil War turn up in these books, it's always a coin flip which side they were on, and he was on the good side, so it yeah, <laughs> could be worse.
1: Th- that's certainly true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I I definitely enjoyed these. I I think I'm still keeping up with, like, Magnus Chase is just good so far.
0: Yeah, I'm really enjoying this. Surprised that we never heard anyone, like, talking about these. Yeah, I... D- is this gonna be the Homestuck epilogues all over again, where everyone hates these and we're the only people who like them?
1: I think that'd be so funny. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would dislike these, though. Like i I can read the Homestuck epilogues and understand why someone wouldn't like them. Absolutely. Uh, I so far I'm just like yeah, this is awesome.
0: Yeah, no, this is really good.
1: Um, so a lot of what's happening here is set up for just like the big grand quest that's probably going to happen in this book I imagine. Yeah. But I feel like we also get a lot of information on like b- behind the surface most layer of Valhalla and like the politics at play and what it's really like to live there and that's all super interesting to me.
0: I I was having flashbacks to Red Pyramid while I was reading this and the just absolute slog that all the setups and like world building were in that book compared to this which is like very breezy but still manages to like Impart a lot of genuinely interesting information.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> like, I I find that the the position of the Valkyries like very interesting because like you you were talking about it last week, and it's only been like more hammered home in this chapter that like they are very much a servant class. Hmm hmm. Not only are they doing the serving in the hall, they also have to like answer for like the Einherjar's fuck ups. Yeah. Which seems fucked up, actually
1: it does yeah and this is very like oh, man see because oh there's a lot there's like so much wrapped into this that like i could talk about it and go into like 10 different conversation threads i feel like um but just like the fact that they are the ones who get like the punishment if they're um if they're and harry are are like are not sufficiently heroic and the fact that like there is all of this like intervalky rivalry it seems like yeah, and, like, political playing and a lot of that seems to stem from i i'm going to say like ancestry and like who your parent is. Mm-hmm. But I think this is very very heavily coded toward being like I I don't think it's a coincidence that Ganilla, the fucking Swedish Ubermensch, uh <laughs> and Captain of the Valkyrie, uh doesn't care much for Samira Alabas, you know? Uh-huh.
0: I, I, I think that's true. I think also we do we will as we get further into these chapters get into some of the insanely racist stuff that Rick put in these.
1: That's true. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, he... he, Rick Riordan is the master of that, right?
0: Uh, (laughs) Take with one hand, give us with the other.
1: Absolutely. But it does seem like he's sort of using, like... He's using, um, like, who's your godly parent? Are they Loki? As sort of a stand-in for, like, racial discrimination.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm very interested to see how Loki ends up being portrayed in this series. Because... I've had, like, two previous disappointments in this regard, which was uh, Set and Hades, who both have, like, pretty complex positions within their mythologies, Uh, but, like, Rick kind of ends up writing them both off as basically just, like, evil devil figures.
1: Yeah, at first, at least, for Hades.
0: Yeah, Hades gets a little bit more complexity later, but, like, for a while, he is just, like, very antagonistic. But even more than those two, Loki is just, like, not... I mean, Magnus calls him like the arch villain of Norse mythology, which is just not true. Mm-hmm. Like that's he fucking turns on them during Ragnarok, but like for most of the most of the like Norse myth- mythological stories, he's like hanging out with the Vanir.
1: Yeah, and I, I I agree with you because like this is going to determine a lot because I think this is actually stems from something interesting that's happening, which is that Magnus can only like. Magnus has a very limited perspective on all this Norse mythology stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is that he learned all of it from like a, a picture book that his mom read to him. <laughs> uh, and that seems pretty, like... That seems like it would simplify things quite a bit. And also, now yeah. he's living in the Hotel Valhalla where all anyone really cares about is Ragnarok. Um, mm-hmm. So it makes sense to me that Loki would be more demonized there, and he wouldn't have a chance to learn anything else.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: But... I do hope that he is shown as, like... If that was Loki, for instance, who we saw earlier, I hope mm-hmm. that, like... I, I think that's actually a pretty good start, because he's already seemed like, a kind of interesting character from the glimpse of the Yeah, that,
0: that seemed like a, a glimpse of, like, uh, an interesting, slightly untrustworthy ally, which I think is what I would want from Loki.
1: Yeah, because... And I think this is something that is, like, not uncommon in pop culture. Like, I think if you look at, like, Marvel Comics Loki, who's probably, like, you know, a, a pretty big portion of what Loki means to a lot of, like, I don't know, American readers, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, you get, like, Marvel Comics Loki, MCU Loki. Uh, he he is more of a, like, anti-hero nowadays. Yeah. Right? i have to imagine that rick isn't just going to do like loki evil because that seems pretty simplistic at this point it's,
0: that would be very boring i hope it doesn't happen <laughs> speaking of gods who i want to see like a complex depiction of
1: uh-huh
0: we get some glimpses of odin in this chapter
1: yeah uh, well, and this we is don't another get one of him.
0: <laughs> well yeah exactly but we we hear a little bit about him and again i'm hoping for like you know, Zeus is a bit of a bastard in the original myth, and that does come across in, like, the PGO books, but Odin is, like, a proper bastard. Uh-huh. Like, he comes off very badly deliberately in a lot of those stories, and I I hope that that leads to, like, a very, like, complex view of him.
1: Yeah, because we've already had the setup of him as, like, he's never there, he's never gonna show up to actually help in the proceedings, but Absolutely he's always not. watching, right?
0: He He's off somewhere knocking off mortal women and they celebrate whenever one of his kids shows up because it means he's still alive.
1: God. <laughs> uh, uh, that's, uh, I love that sequence, the whole, like, all the kids getting their fucking uh, body cam videos shown. Uh, it's <laughs> so good.
0: The, the fact that, um, fucking, uh, the, the hotel manager is like... Oh yeah, we've installed these body cams for simplicity and accountability. Which implies (laughs) to me that the Valkyries were doing police brutality.
1: What the fuck, like, kind (laughs) of thing have they been doing? Like, okay, imagine if everyone in the world got their own little cop that that had to, like, take all the blame for the bad shit they do.
0: I would be doing bad shit all the time.
1: Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, that honestly does kind of seem like something that might be happening in Hotel Valhalla.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah. God.
1: We should talk a bit about Ganella. She's a bit of a Clarice.
0: She's a little bit of a Clarice-type character, yeah. To kind of following into like what we were saying last week about how this kind of feels like Lightning Thief with a coat of Norse paint on it, but like still good.
1: Yeah. Um, she's we've, we've described her as... Like you know, kind of prejudice. She she edits videos seemingly to make uh you know people look. What bad. kind of
0: video editing software did she use to make it look like Magnus was throttling a guy when he was holding a sword?
1: Okay, I think that I think that it's possible. The way that it worked is not. I think Magnus might have actually died without the sword in his hands because we know he falls into the river and we know that like we don't hear. We know that there's a series of events, and he dies in a very specific way, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's very possible that this is how it happened. But I think the thing that she edited out was all of his heroic moments. Like, we we didn't I, get to see him fighting with the sword or anything like that.
0: I have to believe that she also edited out the moment uh where he flips off Sir.
1: Yeah, Magnus's fucking epic moment.
0: Yeah, which I don't think we talked about in the episode, but he does do that.
1: It's <laughs> awesome. Like,
0: if you showed that to a crowd of people, he'd get a standing ovation for that bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like that, the 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 Inheriar would eat that up. Um, and instead, he's given this absolute, you know, absolute fail compilation.
0: <laughs> like he's right; it does look like a fucking blooper video.
1: It's so funny. Um, I I also have to. The, Magnus calls her a butt at one point.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh.
1: Magnus seems like a guy who would cuss a little bit harder than that.
0: I mean, he does later on. He calls someone a jackass.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what what's what's the level between butt and jackass for Magnus? <laughs> I just I feel like butt is such a like six year old insult.
0: It it's a six year old insult, I guess. Also, he was saying this to Sam. Uh huh. And I wonder if it was a case of he's just trying to like keep his neck wound in. Because she might grab him by the neck again if he says something out of line.
1: Okay, but yes, right? That is, I think that's exactly kind of it. Because, like, not for the, maybe not for this instance exactly, but also kind of, yeah. Because the great thing that unveils here is that, yes, the Valkyrie are like an underclass of a sort. They're also, like, they can physically attack you, you know? <laughs> um, I... I think we didn't quite emphasize enough how Severe very, like, physically, like, attacked Magnus in the last chapters. Um, you yeah, know, like,
0: his throat still hurts by the time they're at dinner.
1: <laughs> and it, very quick, Magnus, in that moment, had talked about like, oh, uh, you know, I, I decided to just sort of cave in and you know understand what the packing order is and it kind of seems like okay this is something that he's doing you know based on his own past experiences Um, he's he's applying that here but we find out that he's right to do that because there Mm -hmm. is a packing order to this place like this valhalla is a huge prison
0: it kind of is a huge prison i mean the food's good i i've 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 seen and heard of worse prisons
1: No, certainly, but, like, the entire part where uh, Halfborn, Halfborn Gunderson is describing, like, this is how you stay sane in Valhalla. You have to read books, you have to exercise, you have to, like, have contact with other people. Don't stay locked in your room all the time. This is the exact same advice you hear about, like, how do you get through prison?
0: Uh (laughs)
1: Uh-huh. And I think that I just immediately complicating the supposed like paradise afterlife is so good to me i think it's done so deftly
0: yeah definitely i think magnus would is, is a protagonist who i think would last quite a while in prison compared to the other ones we've had
1: uh hmm i think percy would last a while in prison because he could just escape uh no that's true <laughs> oh I, carter and sadie too i guess and a Cardi- carter's such a like Nerd, Carter would
0: die in the first week, and Sadie would be running that place a year in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, but Magnus, Magnus would like if if they were all made to like you have to serve your sentence. Magnus could probably do it. You know,
0: he's listen of of the ride and protagonists. He is the fucking hard fighting, hard drinking one that will actually one that swears at people because <laughs> we. He mentions in these chapters that he, like... It's just it's just a little thing, but he mentions that he's, like, tried alcohol before. Yeah, that was interesting he, like, to me. And he, like, immediately threw up. Which is, is interesting in the context of, like, we've talked about, like... I, sp- I think it was back in Son sort of Neptune when we were talking about uh, Dakota. Uh-huh. And, like the way that it kind of felt like between that and Mr. D's enforced sobriety, it kind of seemed like Rick was afraid to portray any kind of alcohol in these books. Like, in, in any way. Mm-hmm, so it just, mm-hmm. it, stick, it sticks out that he's willing to, like, say that Magnus has, like, you know, as a, as a homeless kid with, like, no real restrictions being set on him. Yeah, of course he tried that.
1: Yeah, you can see it happening a million different ways. You can see some guy being like, hey, here, kids, stay warm, right? Yeah. Uh, like, it, it's... It's, it's like one sentence, like in a fucking set of like parentheses, but I really, I, I think that really does just like characterize him even more. Uh, and you're right that it is Rick's, like one of Rick's first foray into like, hey, if we're taking this seriously, we're taking it seriously, right? Like we're yeah. not going to, we're not going to pussyfoot around and, you know, say that Magnus never tried alcohol ever in his life. He's a, he's a very good boy. He would never do that. that. That's not, that's not how this is.
0: He spent two years stealing from people and, like, breaking into places to steal more things. Of course he tried alcohol at some point.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, no, that, that's it for the drink. I mean, it's... Should we talk about the food?
0: Let's talk about the food. These because This is some yummy food descriptions.
1: I, I do... This is, like, hashtag anime food, right? Studio Ghibli um,
0: food looks so good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I, I got, like, instantly kind of horrified when Magnus was like, there is a beast the size of a whale roasting on this spit (laughs) because do you know how long it takes to fucking roast something on a spit
0: uh a while
1: a very long while and that's for like a pig takes a good amount of time like we we've seen black sales, we know i was
0: i was about to say you're talking as if you have like firsthand knowledge but i'm pretty sure you're just talking about that one episode of black Sales where (laughs) silver undercooks the pig
1: but I'm also thinking about something I read recently about, like, uh-huh. it takes a long time. It would take, like, a really long time to, like, roast, like, a bison or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is the size of a blue whale, and it's been there for, like, a few hours, considering the way that they say they hunt it every morning.
0: God, yeah. I I guess they just have, like... They've got, they've got some fucking dwarves building a big forge fire underneath it or something. I don't know.
1: That's probably true. Uh, So, the Serumnir. This is... Mm-hmm. This is an interesting thing.
0: This is an interesting creature who I think has only been included in the story so that uh, Magnus can do a microaggression.
1: Magnus on Ama- the Magnus Samira thinks that Magnus might be doing a microaggression on purpose, <laughs> but he's he's not, as it turns out because there's this whole scene where you know Samira's explaining like oh yeah so you know this part of it is chicken this part is this part is pork this part is beef you know i i like the beef but i don't really do it with the pork some of the guys here love it and uh, Magnus is like but what about falafel and she gives him this like tense look like investig like uh you know you like like is that some sort of joke and he's like no i i love falafel which we know he's like just like he's talked about falafel like constantly throughout this book yeah Uh, and so that she sort of just like realizes he's not making some sort of like weird racist joke um i do
0: i do think it's very funny that we're like establishing that magnus just seems to be like completely oblivious to racism in any of its forms Uh uh-huh like fucking one of his friends screaming the black one on the bridge didn't like didn't he didn't even think about that for a second and he doesn't he doesn't seem to have noticed like the pot the the reason why samira might have like been worried about him saying that <laughs> he just seems very earnestly confused
1: i think that makes a lot of sense for this character who is like ri- like kind of rich white kid right mm-hmm. uh who he likes the princess bride and doctor who and he was obviously kind of a shut-in not a shut-in but he was like kind of sheltered in that way um he 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 doesn't know a lot outside of his own experiences, even though he has like, which I which I think maybe you could say like, well, that's not really realistic with like, you know, his time spent being homeless and stuff like that. Maybe he would figure out what racism in, is in that time, but you know, maybe he wouldn't. You know,
0: maybe maybe he wouldn't. Maybe I don't know. I do th- I do think it's uh it does unfortunately clash with our idea of like, uh, Tumblr boy Magnus, because you you know that he would have. If he was on Tumblr quite a lot, he would have seen some of those, like, you know, early to mid-2010s, like, uh, social justice 101 posts going around.
1: I think that he probably did see a couple of those at the... St- I think that where I think he was on Tumblr, uh, I, like, when he used Tumblr, in my opinion, like, mm-hmm. those would have, like, just been rolling out for the most part. Ah, like, I would, see. There would have been a few of those. um, And he wouldn't have necessarily applied it to this. Um that makes sense. I also and I also think that mostly his time on Tumblr was spent reblogging blogging like Doctor Who gift sets. Definitely. Uh, but before we move on, the Cere it, it's it's said that also if you need it you can have like um what is it like tofu and um like beans right are one <laughs> part of this? Yeah. Is it vegan? <laughs> To eat of this animal's left flank,
0: it's, it's like the this this like horrible inversion of the idea of like vat grown meat, where it's like you know you get this meat without like killing an animal. So is that ethical to eat? It's, it's the complete inversion of that.
1: It's fr- it's freshly hunted uh, tofu, like. <laughs> this monster is slain every night and reborn every morning, and Magnus thinks, like, wow, that must suck for the animal, uh, <laughs> but, but also produces tasty uh, tasty falafel, if you want it.
0: I don't know. Maybe maybe Rick's doing some kind of commentary here about, like, sustainable eating fads that turn out to entirely be based on, like, completely unsustainable farming practices.
1: That's certainly possible, although the, the animal that is huge and is killed every morning and r- rises every night... Does seem kind of sustainable, actually. This, it does seem
0: inherently sustainable that does just keep coming back to life, and you can keep killing it and eating it.
1: I think the scene also just contains a really good bit just of of character interaction with like them. Their back and forth about like naming food.
0: This was like this. This cheat is so close to the edge of like jumping into like what I would expect of, like really cringeworthy YA stuff and uh-huh. then going back and forth and be like, no, no, the the potato is actually named Steve. Uh, when Magnus starts complaining about like his meat being named, but I think like because Sam has been like so like closed off up to this point, just like seeing this little like gap in the armor is like it's it's nice. It's a nice little character building moment.
1: Definitely, yeah, uh, and I feel like Rick Riordan does that a lot, right? Like. Mm-hmm he characterizes people in mythical settings around food a lot. Um, like this is sort of like the feeling with Camp Half-Blood is first established through Percy having the nectar and, and ambrosia. Mm-hmm. The, the lifestyle of a magician uh, involves a lot of pulling a Pepsi out of like your pocket dimension. Uh, I, I think this is a, like, I think this is one of Rick Riordan's go-to moves and I, I think it's really effective here for just like, this is what Valhalla
0: feels like yeah definitely
1: this is also where we get her saying that it's an honor to serve the Inheryar
0: which I think again is just like I, for, for as put upon and as argumentative as she is with the other Valkyries in these chapters I think that is a really good way of just like establishing that like for all of that she does genuinely believe in being a Valkyrie yeah like she she's all in on this she just hates the other people
1: god yeah should we talk about who the fucking the lords of Valhalla are
0: Oh, here we fucking go.
1: Uh, do you, do you want to go through some of these for
0: me? Sure. I think we only get two historical ones name drop don't we?
1: I think they're all actually. They're almost all historical. Uh, we have Eric Bloodaxe. I just
0: assume that all the various Erics were made up.
1: No, no, Jane. All of the Erics are real. That's the funny thing about it. <laughs> um, Eric Bloodaxe was a Norwegian king. Uh, Leif Erickson, you know who Leif Erickson is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A- Eric the Red was also a real person, but every single time I think about Eric the Red, I think about how there are two different X Men characters, both named Eric the Red. Uh, like, I think one of them is Magneto, maybe, or Mr. Sinister or something. It doesn't matter. Um, then there, So there's three real life Erics. Then there's Snorri.
0: Just Snorri.
1: Sn- Snorri apparently was the guy who wrote the they're like i think if for my cursory googling the guy who wrote like the um what is it the eddas
0: ah right right which is one of the transcriptions of the sagas right
1: yes yes he uh he he uh is thought to have authored or compiled uh portions of the prose edda uh so yeah that that is that is his claim to i guess being a lord uh mm-hmm. can you tell us who lord nelson is
0: so Horatio Nelson was an admiral in the uh, British Navy throughout the French Revolutionary and Napoleonic Wars. Uh, who is kind of he's remembered as like big heroic figure and military genius uh, for specifically for like uh, winning the Battle of Trafalgar, which like destroyed the combined Franco-Spanish fleet and made, meant that like an invasion of the British Isles wasn't going to be possible. And like you know he died during the fight, so it makes a good story that's that's his deal
1: so he probably died with a weapon in his hand i guess
0: i he didn't is the thing oh he has some brass neck questioning whether some of these people died with weapons in their hands considering that he was fucking shot in the head by a sniper during the fight oh <laughs> which my means God. That he was probably just standing on the deck with a telescope or something
1: <laughs> wow he probably argue, like a telescope is of course a weapon. The ma- the true, <laughs> the true fucking uh, right honorable weapon of the of the of her kingdom of blah blah blah. Like his, it's. Uh huh.
0: I I think what actually happened is that he was shot in the head and like some of his brains splattered into his hands and he claimed that like tactics were his weapon and he died with his tactics in his hands.
1: <laughs> oh God. I I, just, I would actually I kind love- of respect that. <laughs> oh for sure. I love that like. I, I don't this is just classic Rick right just including fucking uh guys like Lord Nelson and Davy Crockett
0: I would I would also say before we move on to Davy Crockett that dying defending the British Isles from a naval invasion is the least Viking thing you can do
1: absolutely God that's funny <laughs> it's it's like a he's like <laughs> they included him as like the token Englishman.
0: it's just like i'm the token british person on this podcast
1: i suppose you're right yeah that's it's like that uh davy crockett uh uh-huh
0: who is this fucker he mentions the alamo which i assume means that his inclusion here is racist in some way shape or form
1: (laughs) so davy crockett is regarded more as like a he was a real life man uh but Uh people like have mythologized him a lot he was part of like the alamo right do you know Mm -hmm. what the alamo
0: yeah, if, if I recall correctly, this was, like, uh, a f- Texas, a fort in Texas that was besieged by Mexican soldiers uh, at the start of or just before the, like, Mexican-American War.
1: Yes. So, and he's been mythologized into, like, almost a, I don't know, like a Paul Bunyan-esque figure, to a degree.
0: I don't know who um, that is either.
1: <laughs> Paul Bunyan, oh my god, okay. So, Paul Bunyan is he was he's basically like the American like myth right to an mm-hmm. extent like he's a he was a huge lumberjack like he he was like a twenty feet tall, had a big blue ox, and uh he uh like he went around fucking he's like Johnny appleseed you know Johnny appleseed no. <laughs> Oh my God! Okay, this
0: is fucking nesting dolls of mythologized American bullshit.
1: <laughs> Johnny Appleseed planted all of the apple trees in the world. I I think. Black. Um, <laughs> Paul Bunyan was a big guy who was like a lumberjack, and he had a blue ox. Um, mm-hmm. And I, all of these people were fucking invented by companies to sell things. Um, right. Uh, Davy Crockett was a real guy. Uh, he he was. You know he he had he was I guess a state representative uh, of Tennessee, um, and it, is it racist to include him here? I'll say yes, just because I I I don't know I don't like it. <laughs> Although he he was apparently a, a big uh, opponent of the of Andrew Jackson, so that's good.
0: Well, that's yeah. Fuck Andrew Jackson, obviously.
1: Um, uh, and then, well. I think it's, he's the funniest person here because he has a fucking Boomhauer accent. <laughs> like, they made him into, like, liter- he's literally doing, like, they made him into, like, a Texas guy, like, from, like, mm-hmm. deep Texas. Um, So, like, he's literally doing the Boomhauer, like, all dang old, like, uh, dang dangle weapons of in man. Like, he's, uh, he's he's doing the fucking King of the Hill thing.
0: He is a little bit doing the King of the Hill thing. He also mentions that, apparently, at the Alamo, the Mexicans had a fire giant. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Which is fascinating to me. Forgot I guess about that. I guess the American Civil War was, you know, Romans versus Greeks and the Mexican American War was the fucking nine realms uh, going oh to war with God. each other. And of course oh. America is the, the land of the, the good gods and the Vanir, and Mexico is where the horrible giants live.
1: Well of course, because uh you know, this is also you know, the the Native Americans of course also, you know, their beliefs were actually Norse uh in, oh, Jesus. in source. <laughs> We'll the, get there. The sc- we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Um. And then there's uh Ganella and Helgi.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who I I feel like are just Ganella is just there as like no you totally aren't an underclass you get one representative in the lords of, uh in the lords of uh Valhalla.
0: Pay no attention to the fact that she spends most of her time kicking other members of your own order.
1: God. Uh, you have anything to say? So we get we also get the information that there are seven new in her yard in one night, which is a new record apparently, Mm -hmm. or for the for the era at least. Uh, what do you do? You have any any of these stand out to you? Do you want to talk about any of these new guys?
0: Uh, I'm gonna be really. My assumption was that none of these people are gonna matter.
1: I that's probably
0: true. I assume that like they're just here as like a bit to make Magnus look like even more of a twat. (laughs)
1: they're all fucking like heroes they they all like did wild shit uh. they all
0: they all did stuff that you would see in like a buzzfeed article that says heartwarming this person does blank but they also died in the process yeah heartwarming. except, except for- Except for ah. Didi, I guess, who fucking uh, stole an assault rifle while pe- children at school were being kidnapped and fucking unloaded it at some guys.
1: <laughs> Heartwarming. This murdered this this child murdered by a warlord will one day become one of the thanes of Valhalla. <laughs> Which, okay, that's fascinating. But like, um, the the fact that this runic casting by the the Vala, you, you can not only determine parentage, but also they can just see the entire, like, predestined future of these people. Mm-hmm. Like, I... There's something that just about, like, and one day you will sit with the Lords of Ahala in a hundred years or something. I don't... That is wild to me. That feels like more predestination than we've ever gotten from Rick Riordan's, like, Myth Series before.
0: That is true. I also feel like it's been being done like this specifically to be subverted, yeah, because the idea is that she will like she'll ascend to that throne and then fight well at Ragnarok after a hundred years. There is no way that this book series ends without Ragnarok happening, and I doubt it lasts hundred years.
1: No, probably not. Um, if we get another reminder in this chapter not to commit suicide. <laughs> I think this is the third one.
0: This is the third one. I also think that this this one's a little bit fucked up. Uh huh. Because, okay, I mean and. No, it's not fucked up to tell people not to commit suicide, but, like, the criteria that are set out for Valhalla is that, like, you have to die in battle and you have to have not planned to. But also, what if you are, like, I don't know, like, ordered to take part in, like, some kind of higher-risk maneuver or, like, something that you know is going to be a suicide mission to give cover for, like, uh, someone else. And, like, you go in knowing that you're probably going to die. You still, you don't get into Valhalla for that?
1: Nope. I guess not. Messed up. <laughs> Kinda of messed up. Uh yeah, I I it's interesting. It's an interesting criteria. I like how specific this criteria is because I like that it allows for like a this is part of like it's not just all demigods, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's cool. Um, I i I something about like the there's a hmm. How do I say it? There is something inherently fascist about this idea too
0: a little bit yeah this is this is the whole like you must die gloriously for the homeland
1: a little bit and i guess that's a bit more planned than this is right Mm um but this is kind of the same idea like always be looking out for a way to die and get into valhalla that's, (laughs) that's, that's not what's said here but that's kind of the idea that is being presented like the fascist death cult is kind of there's crossover
0: yeah definitely
1: it's also kind of christian
0: yeah it's i mean the rhetoric is exactly the same as like you should not do good deeds in in exchange for a reward you you're not doing it to get into heaven you do them for the sake of doing them
1: yes yes exactly and like valhalla is very heaven um mm-hmm. like which again, we've talked about the way that you know Norse myths have the way that we know about Norse myths they've already been fucking you know christified, right, yeah, um,
0: no matter how many times Thor tries to fight jesus
1: god, uh so that that's kind of inescapable, but it is just interesting how heavy we go into that mm mm-hmm. thou cannot get into heaven by your own hand or whatever, <laughs> we very quickly and like. It almost like passingly learn what her Hearth and Blitz's deal is.
0: Yeah, it's like one line where they're like, "Oh yeah, we can see back in the background of this video an elf and a dwarf." And Magnus like tries to interrupt me, like, "Hey, what the fuck are you talking about?" And everyone just ignores him.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> so I, who knows what's? I mean, I guess it's probably just the Grover thing, right?
0: It's just the Grover thing. They were just sent to protect him.
1: Which I guess the question then becomes, who sent them? Right?
0: Mm, Yeah. I guess maybe it, Frey,
1: maybe Frey, maybe Loki.
0: Hmm. I I think it would be really interesting if it was Loki.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and this is sort of where is where Ganella's big trick against Sam is. Uh, she gets stripped of her Valkyrie hood. She gets. You know what? You know Sam, you're a good character for the you know five chapters you were around, but you know I'm, <laughs> I'll 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 hate to I'll hate to see you go.
0: I there there are two directions that I think the Sam storyline could go. Uh, And one is, like, you know, Magnus is probably going to head back to Boston relatively soon, and he'll, you know, he knows that she lives there, he might go to her for help, and she'll, like, help him out, and then eventually regain her place within the Valkyries. Uh, The other, and I think potentially more interesting option, is that if Loki does turn out to be a bit more antagonistic, uh, she ends up being the series Luke.
1: That'd be sick, I think.
0: That'd be kind of sick if she has, like, an evil arc, (laughs) where she embraces being tricked to god
1: yeah well the way that she like she's desperately trying to plead plead her own case but like nobody listens to her because everyone oh it's the child of loki we we shouldn't listen to you right yeah
0: fuck these guys
1: that it's like oh you're honeyed words it's it's awful right it's uh oh god and she apparently got mysterious orders from someone we don't know who do you have any theories on that
0: definitely loki you think loki I, th- I think Loki told uh, Sam to bag Magnus.
1: Oh, there's a good chance. Yeah,
0: you know Lo- Loki was like talking about having plans for him when he met him briefly.
1: Yeah, I I didn't like realize it until you just said it. But is it like that? Magnus also literally did a prophecy prediction corner.
0: He's he's a special guest joining us in the prophecy prediction corner today.
1: <laughs> shall we? Shall we get into that? Let's do that. I didn't realize there would be prophecies in this book. To be honest.
0: No, and I think it's very interesting that uh, the Norse outsourced their prophecy writing to the same people who do the Greek ones. Because they uh, have the same, like, rhythm and rhyme scheme as all the Greek ones.
1: <laughs> You're right. I mean, almost literally, because the Norns are basically literally just the fates.
0: <laughs> I, I was so hoping that there would be, like, uh, a like, like throwaway gag that it's just like, it's the same old women, they're just wearing different cloaks
1: god i (laughs) am actually really into the description of the norns not like sexually but i mean but i don't know these huge women made of snow who are like ultra frightening kind of cool kind of cool uh uh, nothing beyond that of course we'll Uh, leave it at
0: that adjective
1: (laughs) uh wrongly chosen wrongly slain
0: so i reckon by the end of this book or at least the series uh, magnus is going to be like returned to life properly
1: Hmm. I, there's a good chance of that, actually, because
0: I... It'll be like, what, one day when you do cack it, you'll get back into Valhalla.
1: My Rick Riordan leans toward that, right? He leans toward like returning things to the status quo. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I also think that's why I assume that Sam will probably just become a Valkyrie again.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, this, this you know, Percy never stays at Camp Half-Blood year-round. He goes back to school.
1: Yeah. I also think there... There's a possible interpretation here where wrongly chosen, wrongly slain. This could apply to someone else.
0: I guess that's true. Do you have any idea who it could be? No. <laughs> Not, Think it's I laws?
1: Maybe it's X. Fuck laws.
0: Fuck Lars. Fuck Lars. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I feel like Lars... Lars is kind of just, like, normal hero guy in a very funny way. He's just the son
0: of Thor. He's the son of Thor who was, like, saving people off a drowning boat and then fell into the water and hit his head.
1: I also... What does it mean that he was wrongly slain? Like, that's a very specific wording that makes it feel like there really is some huge plot happening behind the scenes. Um, like, people yeah. are being manipulated, specifically. And I guess that would be a key thing, but...
0: This this also to me feels like a like what we were talking about with like the insane levels of predestination being set up to be subverted. Uh would be like, you know, Magnus was like Cert was not supposed to be on that bridge. Something is like happening with destiny and fate that meant that he was there and it got Magnus killed. And that's why he's like mm-hmm. wrongly slain.
1: That would make sense, yeah. Uh a hero Valhalla cannot contain. Now, Magnus is already trying to make his escape.
0: Yeah. Like, I think that's just what that is. He's just getting out.
1: Probably. But could be Sam.
0: Could be Sam.
1: She very specifically was, like, too... Too, like... Too unfit for Valhalla to be contained in that way, Mm -hmm. right?
0: Yeah, she's no longer contained within Valhalla. They kicked her out.
1: (laughs) And I... You know, always looking out for the Rick Riordan twist. Mm -hmm. Um, Nine days hence, the sun must go east.
0: Now, crucially magnus is very certain that it is sun s-u-n uh but he didn't see the prophecy written down he only heard it spoken so i think there is every possibility that we're gonna get the twist of that was actually s-o-n and he has to go like east into the ocean for something
1: i was thinking that too yeah (laughs) um air sword of summer unbinds the
0: beast that's fucking Fenrir.
1: it's Fenrir for sure there's no way this is it's the it's the wolf book right
0: He's the, the harbinger the wolf, of the wolf. He's the harbinger of the wolf. Fenrir is the wolf that is, like, bound. And, like, when unbound, we'll start Ragnarok, which will definitely be the conflict of this series. He also has two wolf children. And who showed up to kill Magnus's mom? Two wolves.
1: And this is interesting wording. Air, sword of summer, unbinds the beast. Now, air means before, basically. Mm. Um, So, nine days hence, the sun must go east before the sword of summer unbinds the beast. So uh, this could mean kind of two things, like you must go east and prevent the beast from being unbound, or it could mean you must go east and that has to happen before this can happen.
0: Yeah, you doing this will cause this to happen.
1: Which I'm leaning toward that being true because, again, Ragnarok is probably the direction we're going.
0: Yeah, it'll it'll be like the end of Lost Hero where um, Porphyron gets away at the end of the first book. And then, like, comes that comes back around in Blood of Olympus.
1: Yeah, although, I wonder. From this is me guessing based on art we saw. What if Fenrir and Magnus become friends?
0: Oh, you know what? That's possible. Yeah, because some of the cover art is like Magnus chilling out with a wolf.
1: Wouldn't it be kind of cool and interesting? A little interesting little twist if, if, like, one of the key components of Ragnarok, Mag- Magnus became friends with.
0: Uh, that would be very cool. Maybe maybe Magnus and Sam both get very loki pills because I think Fenrir is one of my, uh, Loki's kids.
1: Right, right, yeah. So
0: Sam's spending more time with her dad, Magnus befriends one of his kids. Maybe <laughs> we, maybe we, this is the series where we decide that the, the normal Pantheon sucks, actually, and fuck them.
1: God. I hope so.
0: <laughs> it won't happen.
1: No. Uh, any other ideas about this prophecy before we move on?
0: Don't think so. I like how how Magnus he does his own little like analysis and prophecy prediction corner on it, and he also says nothing about it really.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know he he just has to keep doing them as the books go on, and it, it, he'll his skills will sharpen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure in our first book we were like, uh the 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 son of lightning. Well, this the 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 son of the sea. This must refer to fish. Uh, <laughs> so Percy has to catch a fish. Uh, I'm sure we were saying some shit like that's, that.
0: let uh, that I was. Thank you for playing that recording of our first episode. That's that's very instructive.
1: Uh-huh, back when back when I sounded like a nerd, like a just the just the big old nerd before you became uh, a
0: cool jock, which you are now.
1: That's right. That's right. Flexing as we speak, as you can see in our cameras. <laughs> onlyfanscom slash Girls for the for the. <laughs>
0: if we hit a hundred dollars a month on Patreon.
1: Right. 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 So Frey. I, I wasn't expecting Frey.
0: Neither was I. Neither was anyone, because apparently this is a fucking D-lister.
1: I, I feel like Frey is one of the gods you hear about more from Norse mythology, so I'm surprised to hear him called a D-lister.
0: I have not heard a lot about Frey, I don't think. Although, I don't know a lot about him.
1: Although I've heard more about Freya, actually, I suppose, I, so maybe that's...
0: I got confused when he said that his parent was Frey. I thought he meant Freya. And, and I you I was thought
1: like, we were going the... Yeah, I
0: all I thought all of her dreams about Magnus's mom lesbian aqua true
1: would be fucking cool. <laughs> um, and this is where we get that really good scene about like Magnus surrounded by all this magic and myth, but he has to learn about his dad through a fucking children's book, <laughs> like that just says like he was the god of summer and spring, and his sister was Freya, and she had some cats.
0: Yeah, I like also. I don't know if this is intentional, but the idea of like. Magnus has to learn this through this extremely warped perspective, which is probably wrong when, like, you know, so much of what we know about Norse mythology is taken from these, like, heavily Christianized accounts that were written long after like, the stories were started being told.
1: Yeah. No, definitely, yeah. That's a good way of putting it, because, like, that's sort of the process of making a children's book too. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of just like one to one in that way. Not one to one exactly, but like it is a very direct sort of uh, metaphor in that way. I like that we're committing to Magnus not dreaming.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he keeps talking about it.
1: As soon as I fell asleep, I was like, "You better not have a fucking dream. You better not have a fucking dream." He didn't.
0: <laughs> he was like, "I only dream when I'm dead. Been there, done that. And got the shitty afterlife." <laughs>
1: I also literally wrote Magnus getting the Frank upgrade.
0: (laughs) You know, Rick, make me read Muscle TF once, shame on me. Make me read it twice, shame on you.
1: Jesus Christ. (laughs) I don't know. If this happens a third time, I think it's shame on us again.
0: (laughs) For continuing to read these books?
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm... Really interested in Rick's, con- like, continuous decision to include this kind of thing genuinely, though. Uh, this, at this point, it just feels like a pretty direct, like, puberty thing. Mm, yeah. Which is kind of interesting to include for these characters who are, like, 16, 17, uh, you know, who are still going through puberty, but, like, I don't know. Usually you associate that with, like, a bit younger teens.
0: Mm. I also think, like, so far, this has been handled much more interestingly than it was with Frank, well, with Frank, it was kind of just, like, he had a little bit of, like, feelings about his body being changed like that, but it was overall just, like, regarded as an upgrade by everyone. Whereas Magnus is, like, really pissed off that this happened. And I I like that idea that, like, you know, for two years he basically had nothing but the clothes on his back, and the only thing he had control over was, like, his own body. And, like even though he has, like, technically a bunch more shit now, losing that feeling of control is, like, really disturbing to him. And I just think that's, like, that's such an interesting thing to do with what was presented as an upgrade in another series for this character.
1: Definitely. And I think this is kind of, like kind of calling back I mean it's absolutely calling back to that scene with Frank because Frank was experiencing like almost sheer horror at that happening right Mm -hmm. like that chapter I, I I think that was one of the best chapters of Heroes of Olympus honestly yeah just like his body being like his body being transformed by his dad into a shape that he had to use to kill and slaughter and like just him having to like completely dissociate from himself in that moment
0: and unfortunately, the resolution to that was him being totally on board with it.
1: <laughs> yes. I'm interested in the idea that Rick Riordan is writing these scenes for like his audience. As like, mm-hmm. specifically in the way that like, hey, I know that is like tweens and teens who are reading these books primarily. And maybe sometimes something is going to happen to your body that feels horrible and violent, right? Yeah. And I think that we should be especially cognizant of, cognizant of like, I think maybe Rick is being more cognizant of who his audience is in this era because like, in a lot of ways his protagonists are always very reflected of his of his intended audience. Like mm-hmm. per- Percy is kind of just his kid, and also yeah. like. Th- the you know the typical reader of the time that he wanted to like send the message out to uh jason jason uh all on all the heroes of heroes of olympus are all trying to like they're all a bit older now and trying to find their place in the world you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah like, trying to really figure out who they are and who they want to be which i think reflects like the aging audience and i think magnus brings us back to like you are on Tumblr right now, <laughs> you, like, like you are on Tumblr, and things are happening to you that are confusing and out of your control and horrible. And I think that's really interesting how he is like crafting his protagonist's in response to that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, if nothing else, it's a slick marketing move. Oh,
1: def- definitely yes. Magnus's mom has this like grun, like grungy, like. 90s, like, alternative fan.
0: This tracks.
1: Uh Uh-huh. No, absolutely. Although,
0: I, I, to be honest, from, like, hooking up with Frey, I would have, like, had her more as, like, a kind of new-agey kind of hippie person. Just, like, very, like, maybe a lot of psychedelic stuff and, like, into, like, the outdoors TM. Well, she is into the outdoors. Grungy basements.
1: The outdoors was into her.
0: (laughs) The sword of summer went into her, is what you're saying. Jesus Christ, Jane, <laughs> that's too far.
1: <laughs> we can't talk about hilt fucking on on our unwise girls podcast.
0: No, no, no. You see, I wasn't talking about the the, the hilt of the sword. I was talking about his penis.
1: Oh, okay. I see. Do you think he calls it summer brender? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is this is summer brender too.
0: This is this is why Magnus's mom never tried to get in touch with him.
1: <laughs> oh God!
0: Um, like that was a fun fling. I do not want to spend any more time with this person.
1: <laughs> Honestly, that's fair. <laughs> I I wonder what Frey will be like. That's one of the that's a character I'm very curious to see. Just because it's always interesting to see how Rick Riordan is gonna write a dad, right?
0: Yeah, I cause like especially with, like, Poseidon, so much of that is kind of informed by the fact that, you know, Percy does feel that there's an absence in his life there, and there is this kind of, like, awkward tension between them, because, like, Poseidon is very conscious of the fact that he, like, ran out on Percy, and, like, ditched him and has, like, fucked him over in that way. But, like, it may turn out to be a case of, like, Magnus doth protest too much, but he keeps saying that he doesn't really give a shit about this. Yeah. And so I'm curious if it's gonna be a case of, like, maybe Frey is, like, Constantly trying to like fall over himself to apologize for this thing, and Magnus just finds it really annoying.
1: I I could see that, yeah.
0: Or he could no, be a wait. huge jackass.
1: Honestly, I mean that that leads to our Magnus and Sam against the Pantheon route, right? Uh huh. The God of War 2019 route.
0: <laughs> okay, wait, we can we can make it properly God of War if we get Percy in here to kill this Pantheon. We get <laughs> Annab- we can wait. get Annabeth to do it.
1: Oh, Annabeth would be a fucking awesome God of War protagonist, actually. <laughs> I think, I don't know, she seems like she'd be a, like a protective cousin. I think if Magnus was like, hey, um, like, they are really mean to me here in Valhalla, I think she would do some shit.
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Now, he, speaking of people who seem to actually give a shit about Magnus, his, his hallmates have accepted him to an extent.
0: I was expecting, because we got some pretty grisly descriptions of these guys in the earlier chapters, I was expecting these guys to all be assholes, but they actually all seem to be pretty nice. Yeah, it's just
1: that, like, even even Halfborn, which is a weird thing to call someone, um, even Halfborn Gunderson, uh, like, yeah, actually, I explicitly, like, kind of called that because he's really ugly um and so if he, it seems as though he was only half born that's a really fucked up thing to call he someone was i'm realizing I, continuing to realize as i have to say it uh the guy it, who was in, uh-huh
0: apparently it was the case like his mother said that he was half born half chiseled from a rock which is a fucking horrible thing to say to your kid
1: oh god it's very Hephaestus core i don't know <laughs> surprised she didn't throw him off a roof or something
0: <laughs> i mean, maybe that's how he died
1: Maybe. He was holding like a rattle, which is the baby equivalent of a of a of a weapon.
0: Uh
1: huh. Or maybe he he was like he was already like eighteen or whatever when he got thrown off. (laughs) (laughs) It was unrelated to all that. She just she is just also the one who killed him. Uh huh. Um so yeah, we have we have we have Mallory the Joker.
0: Ma- yeah, Magnus literally says that like she has like red hair and stuff like that, and she looks like a reverse color scheme Joker.
1: It's the fucking
0: wildest thing to say in the
1: world. Um,
0: <laughs> Not quite. That's the second wildest thing that someone says about <laughs> Mallory's character. <laughs> to-
1: and that's kind of just that kind of is how Rick Riordan's doing it. We're talking about like Rick Riordan microaggression. This I think this is just an aggression.
0: <laughs> uh. It, yeah, this is, like, we, we've we joked before about, like, you know, J.K. Rowling named her Irish character Seamus Finnegan, and that being, like, one degree removed from naming him Potato McCarbomb. Bomb. And, like, <laughs> this is not much better.
1: She died by disarming a car bomb. Or trying to disarm a car bomb. I...
0: Rick Riordan. <laughs> I think it's, like... Because, like, a lot of Irish people were killed by car bombs during the Troubles, and that was, like, extremely fucked up and tragic. But because Mallory has been written like such an Irish stereotype so far, it stands out as such a, like, an insane thing to write. It feels like... This is a joke that we would make, is that Rick Ryden would put in her backstory that she died in a car bombing. But he's just done that. He, he,
1: he's done it. He, if, he would have done it, and he has.
0: It feels like a parody of how he would write an Irish character.
1: Oh lord, I. And she's she's kind of like prejudiced a little bit against X. Um, Side note: I...
0: uh, the the fact that like he has a different name, but people keep insisting that we call him X means that I keep wanting to call him Twitter.
1: <laughs> oh god, that's a that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> X is a little bit Tyson.
0: He's a bit of a Tyson. He's that same like yeah, the the big dumb nice guy archetype.
1: A character who he, who he reminds me of is like Baldanders from uh, the Book of the New Sun, who is like this big lumbering giant who the main character encounters, and is like, oh, he's he's this really stupid guy, but then you realize that he's kind of just like he talks really slow, but he says a lot of like important things. Mm-hmm. Like the main character kind of interprets as him being a stupid guy, um, which kind of is kind of the, the Bob Syndrome. Yes, yes, that's right. That is that. That is actually a lot of like the vibe here, and I think that is kind of like what is going on with X I, I you know, I like his backstory. I like that he like broke up a dog fighting ring, got in a fucking shootout with the mob or whatever.
0: Based, based way to go out.
1: No, absolutely, and I don't know. I, I, I like his character. For what's presented here because he does seem to have a lot of like wherewithal, and like he's like he specifically says like um. Oh, we we've got a we've got a half tr- like Mallory's like, "Oh, we've got a half troll here." And uh he says like, "Yes, that's my better half." <laughs> and I I don't know. I like that.
0: I think I get why Sam would kind of vibe with this guy cuz he doesn't really give a shit what the rest of them think about him.
1: Yeah, and I think that's important too is that this is the other person that Sam recently brought back to mm-hmm. the holla. Uh and I I don't know if the others also were taken in by Sam. That's kind of unclear, like, if that's how the halls work or anything, but... I
0: don't think they would have been, because Sam, as far as we can tell, is, like, she's living that double life, so she's kind of mortal. She has, like, a mortal lifespan, so she wouldn't have been around during, like, the Civil War or whenever Halfborn died.
1: I guess that's true. Yeah, she didn't, like, go back in time to do that.
0: I do like the idea of, like, baby Sam in her Valkyrie armor, like, during the Troubles getting Mallory, (laughs) like, in the fucking (laughs) 90s
1: that'd be funny um tj is a son of tear and uh, a runaway slave which is all we really learn about his mom but mm-hmm. I-, I i have a question uh-huh
0: why is he called thomas jefferson jr if his dad was tear and his mother was presumably not named thomas jefferson
1: did tear disguise himself as thomas jefferson
0: because if so i mean that's going to cause some uh issues with the greek demigods considering that you know wasn't thomas jefferson like a child of athena or something
1: oh fuck he was wasn't he (laughs) or no that was george washington or were they both
0: i i i I think all the founding fathers got name dropped as demigods at some point
1: right okay i oh jesus christ the fucking cross mythological pollination happening (laughs) um there's something hamilton about this there's a little hamilton to this
0: There's there's a little hamilton in like how insanely tone deaf it is to have like the Child of a runaway slave be named Thomas Jefferson Jr., considering that you know Thomas Jefferson uh uh raped a lot of slaves and fathered bastard children by them,
1: yeah, just to put it pretty bluntly, that is, yeah, I maybe this will have some twist to it where it makes more sense, or is like you know, it's doing he's he has some intention here, but I the don't thing,
0: know. The thing is, I, I don't think. Because the the one way I could see this going well is, like, the name is ironic, like, his mother named it that ironically or something, so that it can come up later, like, that's what happened. But also, I don't think Rick Ryden is going to go there, e- even if he wasn't, like, you know, very America-pilled, I think that's just, like, subject matter that he might not want to go into in, like, a YA book.
1: Yeah, yeah, I pr- probably not, um... Classically, I dated your daddy, etc., cetera. Et cetera. <laughs> I think that's that's everyone, right? Or half born, half born Gunderson. He, we we talked a little bit about him.
0: Yeah, he's he's just the guy who's just been chilling out and learning like eight different languages while he's been here.
1: Yeah, I I we talked about how this is like a prison coping strategy, but also I do really just like I don't know. He's a wild, raucous party guy who knows like. Who also has a Ph.D. now? I think that's pretty cool.
0: A Ph.D. in Germanic literature.
1: <laughs> you know, maybe he kind of cheated his way into that Ph.D. <laughs> now that in what now way? I can say it out loud. No, Just like, I mean, I guess like you could. I mean, I guess you, Jane, could go get a Ph.D. in English literature. <laughs> um, I guess there's nothing that's like he's he was there, so it's wrong. Like that's not true, I guess. But I think
0: I think the funnier uh, option is if uh, the invasion of England, I don't remember which one he says he was partial, but if it was one of the ones where they were invading like, while the Saxons were there and he gets killed by the Saxons, then it's like well, I find these guys really interesting, but I'm gonna go read up on their literature
1: <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, definitely We should talk about the Scrailing thing
0: The Scrailing thing? Uh,
1: the He says that the the people that he, they met when they came to the, the Americas were the Scrailings the the indigenous people who live there.
0: Oh right, yeah, yeah yeah that was their name for them
1: and a a bunch of wild shit follows this
0: a bunch of insanely racist shit follows this
1: could you could you explain
0: some of it so the the idea is that boston it turns out is like the root of the world tree Uh, and like that the reason that the vikings came to america is because they were looking for it and actually the uh native americans who were living around boston Uh, Their mythology was uh, taken from, like, misinterpretations of seeing the uh, Norse mythological stuff that was happening around Boston. Uh, And, you know, that's also uh, when the pilgrims came across, I can't remember which one he says, but one of them has, like, this vision of a shining city on a hill. And that was actually Asgard. Uh, And it's just, it's very, like, you know, America is this uniquely, not only is it, like, uniquely special and holy land, but also, uh, you know white people needed to settle and colonize here because our holy sites were here and the Native Americans weren't using them properly. Uh-huh. Like, straight from the mouths of the most insane, like, the Vikings came here, like, Christian right-wing conspiracy theorists.
1: Yes. Yes. And this is kind of... It's interesting because the City Upon a Hill thing is very, like... You know, this is what rooted in, like, Christian colonization, right? Mm-hmm. Um like this is who John Winthrop I believe was the one that uh uh is cited is is cited here, and I'm fascinated by this idea that uh, this continued idea this is the continuation of Required's idea that the United States is the center of the world is the center yeah. of like the West right yeah um this holy center for like uh just like white whiteness to exist basically um uh I. This is, you know, it's the heart of the West, it's the current home of the Greek and Roman empires, and, the, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's it's, the hub of the universe from the Norse
0: perspective.
1: <laughs> and I just think that every single time this comes up, it really fucking sucks.
0: It's, I feel like this is even, like, worse than the heart of the West. Because the heart of the West, you can at least conceptualize as, like, it, it settles in America because, like, you know, a bunch of white people moved there, killed everyone, and then, like, set themselves up as a very powerful civilization. That's why it moved there. Whereas this, like, you know, that already fucking sucks. But this, like, presupposes that they were supposed to go there to begin with and, like, had some kind of duty to. And is also, like, in, in the same stroke of the pen, like, insanely disrespectful of, like, the, the customs of the Native Americans who were already living there.
1: And going specifically into the city on a hill thing where, like, we're, he is borrowing so directly from this, like, incredibly commonly utilized, like, rhetoric, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, this, not just rhetoric, but this literal phrase that has been used in rhetoric over and over again yeah. over the years. Um, it makes, like, I my immediate thought is, like, oh, is he going to problematize this somehow, right? Um, but instead, it just seems like he's confirming it like yeah. within his like within his world and that seems awful to me. Yeah. And I think the like there's some funny shit too kind of like Edgar Allan Poe's the raven was inspired by Odin. Uh the Salem witch trials were hysteria caused by Norse magic
0: which I think is like That's kind of like a fun idea, but also gives a get-out-of-jail-free card for the, like, very real political aims of that, which was to, like, subjugate women and put them in their place.
1: Uh Uh-huh. I just think Rick Riordan's deployment of the word hysteria there is very funny. Mm -hmm. This It kind of sucks. Like, not a great... Not a great foundation. Whenever you say that like X place is the hub of the universe, you're dealing in, you're dwelling into some weird territory. Yeah, definitely. And as soon as you say, it's like Boston is the hub of the universe. Now you've, because we were talking about how this is all built on some fucking conspiracy theory, bullshit. I Protestant Christian, like American stuff. This is again, Rick Riordan can't help but lean more and more into that because that's what he's built the
0: world around. And it's, it's, it's confusing to me that he does this because like, this stuff is, like, it's lousy in the subtext of his books, but a lot of the time it seems like he's trying to get the text to, like, contradict it. Like, he's he's got this whole subplot going about how Sam is kind of seen as this, like, this foreigner and this outsider, and it's, like, wrong that she's treated that way. But then also, like, just, like, includes the, the like, foundation that that mistreatment is uh, built on as, like, an inviolable like cosmological fact of his world
1: and he's avoided this before like he avoided this in the kane chronicles like this is one of the successes of the kane chronicles is that it's not like the new home of the egyptian gods is america right yeah uh like there are uh
0: what what the kane chronicles ended up doing was very different which was that it was like inadvertently being like now the egyptian empire is everywhere (laughs)
1: A little bit, yeah. But that's
0: like you know, that's less fucked, if only because the Egyptian Empire is no longer a going concern.
1: Yes, like and like, the House of Life like still existed in Egypt, mm-hmm. and like there were bases all around the world, and the entire world. You know, it, it's more of a mythological perspective there, where it's like the yes, the entire world is made up of these gods. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it's kind of fucked.
0: I think there there is this like. Because I'm sure part of it is, like, this urge to make, like, a young reader reading an urban fantasy novel to be like, ooh, this, this could be, like, just around my corner. Yes. Because the Cain Chronicles, you know, the first gnome is in Egypt, a lot of the action takes place there, so it's, like, inherently, like, the, the target audience, which is, like, American kids, will have less of a connection to it. I just feel, like, in pursuit of that connection, he has, like, intentionally or not stumbled into just, like, some rancid shit.
1: Yeah. Ah, uh, man.
0: That's a pretty bleak note to end on for some t- t- chapters that we quite liked.
1: We don't have, to, I, I have one more positive thing to say. Uh, oh? the, I think that the description of like how the Inheryar act in the real world is kind of awesome.
0: This is good. Yeah, this is good.
1: The idea that they are like these cool secret agents. I don't, mm-hmm. the, the thing this most reminds me of somehow is like, they're like spirit reapers. Like I'm not even a bleach girly, but like, uh, just like they are like, the agents from the flip side, right? They're going out to like deal with Mm. monsters. They they're in danger, but they have like super strength and stuff like that. I I think it's so
0: cool. It's really cool. And I really like the detail that is like, you know, they, they do go back to the mortal realm, but the standard operating procedure is to wait until all your friends and family die before you go back. Because that like, that means that even though, yeah, sure you get this cushy afterlife and you can go back. There is still, like, an inherent, like, horrible tragedy to dying. Like, you still lose contact with all these people.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that has been, like, emphasized a lot in a really good way. Like, we get the, like, I think that's one of the, Hunding, I think, uh, really served well here in emphasizing that. Mm-hmm. Like, he, yeah, he, he gets to exist in this world forever, but he he's not living in a paradise uh, really, like he has to be subjugated by one of his enemies for the rest of his life, and he never he doesn't have any like remnants of his family.
0: He this is supposed to be a paradise, but apparently, Hunting still has to like cough politely and ask for tips to make ends meet.
1: Yeah, yeah, Lord. Well, Jane, not this so hat.
0: Not this so hat.
1: It's an interesting week this week. You got any? You got any thoughts going?
0: Nobody really immediately jumps to mind. You know. Yes even though we get like we get a bunch of new characters introduced i just don't think any of them have the vibes do i go for the obvious one go for the obvious one
1: or what i think is the obvious one because i'm insane uh huh miku binder trans guy thomas jefferson <laughs> junior
0: <laughs> you think okay so well the narrative we're going here is the um you know back in the civil war uh thomas jefferson junior was like you know, one one of those trans men who like discovers their trans by like pretending to be a dude to join the military and then being like, "Oh, actually, I prefer it this way."
1: Yes, I think that's very possible.
0: I think you you may be onto something here. And that you know what that would explain the weird name as well.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it would be. I, unfortunate name
0: pick, obviously, but at least makes more God. sense.
1: Uh huh. Well, who do you who are you gonna
0: pick? Uh, uh X. Everyone keeps dead-naming him. Yeah.
1: Dead-naming. That's interesting. <laughs> like, he was named X and then ch- chose a longer version of it.
0: Yeah, I guess not dead-naming him, but just, like... I guess that's a different thing. Hmm.
1: I, mean, the, I mean, the act of, like, here's your name, but I'm going to call you a different thing because it's more convenient to me is that def- there is... There are, there are a lot of things to that that is involved in a million different things, but you know, you, you can retranscribe some of that, I think.
0: We can. I think we, on the other hand, we got a lot of mileage out of that reading for Bob in Heroes of Olympus. I wonder if we should be retreading if we went with that again. Uh, I'm going to say Horatio Nelson because uh, he was a sailor.
1: <laughs> That's fair, I suppose.
0: <laughs> it gets lonely out there on those waters.
1: Well, our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix
0: our cover is by Vera at insmith underscore in on twitter
1: we are hosted by the moonshot podcast network you can find that moonshotpods.com or goodfuckingpodcast.com. uh if you want to find us and do all that you can go to twitter co-host tumblr and wise girls we've got links to our episodes when they go up uh we've got visual companions when needed we got updates about various things uh we we post sometimes in in a funny way maybe not (laughs) maybe not so funny sometimes you know uh, Jane, Jane's not always working at 100
0: uh, and, <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and just kidding of course um, I, I'm always making sure Jane is making the best possible posts or I make her delete them and then make a it, new one if, if
0: I don't tell the best possible jokes uh, terrible things happen to me so please, please reply to all them talking about how funny they are <laughs>
1: uh and you can help us out by going leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast app of choice you can tell a friend about us we love when you do that one it makes us so so happy yeah. uh also oh you can i also forgot to say you can join our discord server too we have a link to that on our twitter um you can also support us monetarily by going to patreon.com slash unwise girls where for a dollar a month you get the discord roll of certified chaser for $3 a month, you get the Discord roll of Mid Guardian and all of our bonus content.
0: Yep. Uh, we have just decided what we'll be doing kind of going forward on the bonus show. Uh, for the next couple of episodes, we will be covering season one of Mobile Suit Gundam iron Blooded Orphans. So if you've, you know, you've uh, finished E Witch recently, you're thinking about maybe getting into some of the other Gundam AUs, uh, maybe watch along that with us.
1: Do it, do it. Uh, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord roll of Thor's Hammered, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode.
0: Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Isle of Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, Bree, and Erica.
1: Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode.
0: See you next week, Camp Half Blood.
1: See you next week, Camp Half Blood. Bye bye. Bye.
0: Nicole was your typical hopeless romantic, moonlighting as a fan fiction writer. Claudia was a hard-headed activist with a YouTube channel and the mysterious past. When Nicole hit a deep funk in her writing, Claudia suggests one of her hidden passions, romance novels. Now the two have fallen into a world of endless handsome hunks, doe-eyed damsels, and lascivious lovers. It is now their sacred duty to rank these novels on three criteria. Their steaminess.
1: I had to fan myself off.
0: Their dreaminess. She's not
1: missing anything without him, but he makes her life better.
0: And their memeiness.
1: Cal wouldn't be in some small town pie eating contest. That's not why he left me.
0: (laughs) Join our heroines every other week as they overcome unhealthy relationship archetypes, thesaurus abusing authors, and anatomical inaccuracies to prove that love can conquer love on the three little words podcast only on the moonshot network